Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Bitter, and today I have a guest interview for you. Today's guest is Boyd Myers. Boyd is what I'm calling a spontaneous endurance athlete, meaning he is sort of the opposite of kind of how I go about training for these events in the sense where I like to pick an event that's, you know, quite a bit down the road and maybe pick some tune-up events and really outline exactly what I'm going to do between the day I start structured training and getting to that event. Boyd sort of randomly jumps into things, whether it be a spontaneous hundred mile race or something he is about to do, which is He's going to run a full Ironman one day followed by a half Ironman the next day over the course of a weekend in Waco, Texas, as part of the Gold Star Initiative, which we talk about in the podcast. Uh, You know, Boyd has an interesting background. He was an Air Force vet, former bodybuilder. He actually opened up a gym and uh, had some success with that for, I believe, if I remember correctly, nearly a decade, but uh, he ended up selling that. Uh, and then transitioning in his career, which resulted in him gaining like 75 pounds, which he decided was unwanted weight. And that's kind of what spurred his interest in triathlons and running and all the stuff he's up to nowadays. Um, one of the other reasons I want to talk to, uh, Boyd was what I mentioned before is that, that gold star initiative, which is a process where you carry a flag for the running portion of a full Ironman and half Ironman on those back-to-back days. So he got asked to do that and he'll be carrying that flag during the run portion of the Ironman Waco full and half, and then presenting it to a local gold star family at the end of it, the finish line. So Boyd was recommended by one of the listeners. Uh, when I saw kind of what he was up to, I was like, well, this would be fun to chat with. He's shot out of a cannon. So it's fun to hear what he's up to and what his, uh, his idea of, uh, of, uh, of fitness and endurance is. So uh, that's what we have for the interview today. Uh, before we get rolling, just a couple announcements. Uh, I've got some guest interviews getting lined up. Uh, the most recent one that I'll be recording actually this week is going to be with Nick Bear. Nick Bear is no stranger in the endurance community. He is a uh, former military, uh, got into a lot of strength work, Uh, but then decided he wanted to challenge himself through a variety of different stuff. So he's done things like, you know, targeting like a sub 245 marathon, running the Leadville 100. I actually coached him to a just over 19 hour finish at the Rocky Raccoon 100 uh, last year. And uh, he is interesting because he looks the part of a strength athlete. He's very big and muscular, but also wants to say break a five minute mile you know, run a 245 marathon, jump in a hundred mile race. And he's always kind of picking a new challenge currently. And I'll be talking to him about this, I think on our interview, but is he kind of switched directions after doing like kind of a expansion in his endurance efforts up to a hundred miles. He's now kind of gone back to some more explosive stuff, some more sprint work and shorter uh, or lower volume stuff, higher intensity stuff. So it'll be interesting what maybe spurred that decision this time around. Um, he's also a, uh, the founder of, uh, Bear Performance Nutrition, uh, which is a a big company that he manages uh, just north of Austin here in Texas. So that interview will be in person. I'm actually going to head up to his place. We're going to use his podcast studio and we're going to record it and we'll get to know Nick on uh, the Human Performance Outliers podcast through that. 
for those who are interested in accessing the podcast ad free audio version and early release, meaning when I get done recording, I'll put it up on the show Patreon page first. You can go to that show Patreon page, get access to those uh, links to get to the show Patreon page can be found on the show landing page, which is just zachbitter.com forward slash HPO. On that page, you'll also find other ways to support the show. If uh, you're looking for a big way to help me out that is non-monetary, what goes a really long ways is liking, sharing, and subscribing on your favorite podcast platform or YouTube by sharing it with your friends and family and pushing it on your social media channels helps me grow the show and ultimately will let me do more episodes down the road. So if you could do that, that'd be great. Um, also, if you are interested in any coaching services, I am currently onboarding some new clients uh, that are on my one-on-one -on -one coaching. I've got a variety of different packages where you'll work directly with me with different tiers of connection points. I also have ready-made plans. If you just want to follow my guide to training for a specific event, whether it be a five kilometer, a beginner or hundred mile advanced, I've got a ton of options between those distances with a bunch of different ability levels, as well as some cool like base building plans. If you're just looking to lay a foundation for a future race that you might do. Uh, and I also also have a strength athletes guide to endurance. If you're someone who's in the gym and uh, trying to get big and strong, but you also value a foundation and endurance, I've got a plan there that would be helpful for that sort of a lifestyle as well. Uh, also consultations. If you want to just chat with me about a topic of interest, questions you have about running, or anything that you think I may be valuable in insight from, you can sign up for those as well. All that stuff can be accessed on my website, which is just zachbitter.com. Finally, final way to support the show is if one of the show sponsors happens to have a product that you would find useful, you can let them know that you came to them through the Human Performance Outliers podcast. All show sponsors can be accessed at zachbitter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. Today's podcast episode sponsors include Bioptimizers, Magnesium Breakthrough, and Boncharge. All right, folks, let's talk a bit about magnesium. Magnesium is abundant in green leafy vegetables, nuts, seeds, legumes, and whole grains. Magnesium is also an antagonist of calcium in the body and is required for vitamin D synthesis and activation. As such, magnesium deficiency can inhibit the potential benefits of vitamin D supplementation. If your way of eating does not include many magnesium-rich foods, or you have these but still experience low levels of magnesium, you might want to consider Bioptimizer's Magnesium Breakthrough. Supplementing with magnesium can have its downsides, one of which is it can also be a laxative, which could just exasperate the problem you are trying to solve. Magnesium Breakthrough is my favorite magnesium product because it is the only full-spectrum magnesium supplement with seven unique forms of magnesium that your body can actually absorb. And this month, Bioptimizers are including free bottles of their full line of digestive health products on select orders while supplies last. That means you are getting free products to try that will support your digestive system. Having an optimized digestive system means less energy trying to digest foods and absorbing more nutrients from the foods you eat. This special offer is only available at magbreakthrough.com forward slash human. Visit magbreakthrough.com forward slash human and enter code human10, that's H-U-M-A-N-1-0, for 10% off any order. 
Buy Optimizers also continues to offer its impressive 365-day money-back guarantee so you can test it out risk-free. Links and details can be found in the show notes or at zachbitter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. Bond Charge is a holistic wellness brand with a range of products that help you navigate the modern environment in a better way. They focus on things like circadian rhythm and optimal sleep routines. I've been using two of their products this summer. These include their 100% blackout sleep masks and their blue light blocking glasses. Good sleep hygiene like a cool temperature environment, pitch black darkness, and a quiet environment can go a long way to help you stay asleep and maximize your nighttime rest. So personally, I like a consistent routine I can replicate whether I am at home or traveling. Being able to replicate my routine as close as possible makes it easier to consistently get a good night's sleep regardless of whether I am home or traveling. I use the Bond Charge sleep mask to make sure I have the same 100% blackout regardless if I am at home or traveling. The material on the Bond Charge sleep mask is comfortable, adjustable, and allows me to sleep on my back or sides without discomfort. The soft padded eye cups allow you to open your eyes while wearing the mask. I also spend a lot of time every day staring at computer screens, phones, and tablets while recording, editing podcasts, answering emails, and writing my coaching plans. I use the Bond Charge blue light blocking glasses while trying to stay an arm's width away from the screen when possible and refocusing my eyesight every 20 minutes. This helps minimize discomfort from blue light and glare from staring at screens all day. If you want to check out either of these products and the rest of the things that Bond Charge has on their website, you can go to bondcharge.com forward slash HPO and use coupon code HPO to save 20% off your order. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E dot com forward slash HPO and use coupon code HPO to save 20% off your order. Bond Charge ships worldwide in rapid time and has easy return and exchanges if you are not satisfied. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast. Today, I'm joined by man of many traits, Boyd Myers. How's it going, Boyd? Doing well, sir. How are you doing? Good, good. Uh, yeah, no, it was, it was exciting. I think it was uh, someone sent me a note saying that I should chat with you. Uh, and I looked at your profile and I was like, this will be a great, great conversation because you've got I really like these. Um, I like kind of the style that I think is, I don't know, maybe it's older than I imagine. I'm just coming aware of it now. It seems like something that kind of came out from guys like Nick Bear and the pandemic when people were kind of left to their own imagination as to how to get fit when gyms closed and things like that. But there's a lot of people now that are like kind of into just getting fit, doing challenges and not necessarily being quite as maybe one dimensional as like folks my age maybe learned through their high school and collegiate experiences of just you kind of have to specialize you kind of have to specialize and it's like that's great if you're gonna have a career as an athlete but nowadays you know people want to be fit and they want to be motivated and they want to do these things but they don't necessarily need to be say running ultra marathons for two decades or something like that so when I see people like yourself who have deadlifted, what is it, 700 pounds? Um, okay, so I've actually deadlifted closer to 800, but I don't have that on video. So I just said <laughs> 700 because I can prove that, right? So without receipts, it doesn't matter. But I've gotten sure. a lot closer to 800. That's awesome. So yeah, like when I see those type of stories of like, I was just talking to a guy the other day actually running and 
uh, and he's going to try to do a 500 pound deadlift. And I think it was a sub 90 minute half marathon in the same, in the same week or something like that. So I love that, that concept of just like, I'm going to be maybe not the best at anything, but I'm going to be like really good at everything I can get my hands on, or maybe I'm going to fine tune something for half a year to a year and just really engulf myself into that process and then pick a different challenge. And I just think the sustainability of that is just a little bit unique because you're, you're changing directions often enough, right? Where as soon as you start getting bored and kind of repetitive, it's like, well, let's, let's start over and see all those kind of early progression, progressional gains and excitement of the newness and the new challenge stuff just kind of keeps it fresh. Yeah, I agree hundred uh, percent. And there's, you know, I think there's a lot to be said to becoming a beginner at something, right? I mean, like you said, those new gains you get, um, I mean, you know, you think about the rate of what a white belt learns compared to a black belt. Right. Um, and that's kind of the, that's kind of the concept I use. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm really good at anything, uh, but I'm okay at enough things. Right. So yeah, it keeps it interesting. Uh, I agree with you as far as sustainability. Um, you know, I mean, repetitive injuries. I, I was, I was a power lifter for years, man. And I, I mean, there were times where I couldn't even like, I couldn't even pick my fork up because my hands, my forearms would be so much, you know, so much, you know, so much pain. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, mixing it up, you know, gives me a little variety. I'm kind of like the poster child for ADD. So uh, <laughs> that may have a lot to do with why I do it. Um, but yeah, man, it keeps it fun. It keeps it interesting. And uh, you know, I, and I agree. I've seen a lot. You still start to see a lot more people with that like hybrid mindset, like the, you know, I mean like Cameron Haynes, uh, mm -hmm. Nick Bear, David Goggins, a lot of those guys, you know, so uh, it's fun. It's interesting. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I'm obviously, I'm obviously getting used to being new at a lot of things. Mm -hmm. What it reminds me of actually is like when, when you're a kid and you're at middle school and you have like, I don't even know if they have recess in a structured way anymore, but if they do, then the kids would always be, you know, they'd be playing a specific sport or something usually for a couple months and then the season would change and they would switch. So we'd be playing like baseball or something. And then, uh, football and then basketball and switching from like one to the next. And it would just be like this theme for like a couple months until, you know, the next thing got us distracted and we wanted to do. And it was always, it was always fun. It was always new. It was always exciting. I think because we always would kind of transition to something different after we had been doing the other one too long and found out kind of who was best at what. So, <laughs> uh, that's kind of the way I look at this sometimes is it's, it's sort of like kind of reinventing that process, but as adults and I, I do always wonder, I've talked about this a bit in the past where it's just like, it seems like once we get to a certain age, we sort of like forget that, like, you know, turning your workout into play is still an option. It's just not maybe quite as structured as it was like when we were in school and they have all those resources kind of right at your fingertips. Yeah. Uh, it's funny too, though. Like I remember that, like shifting going from like baseball season to football season, you, you wouldn't pick up a bat. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, and now kids, I mean, do they play baseball all year long? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, I think I think in the long term, I mean, let's be realistic. I mean, most people are not going to be professional athletes, right? So um, I think in the long term, what, what happens is I think that probably hurts them from a fitness standpoint by not being diverse enough in their, in their training, in their play, right? They just become – I mean, I've worked with baseball players, for example, and they're, they're the most – imbalanced people ever right because they do most everything on one side of their body right mm -hmm. i mean i'm talking guys that were older that played baseball all the way up to you know to their 20s or whatever and and and, and they're just i mean the the where we have to start to get them you know just in a 
at a manageable level to like where they can start making progress. It's uh, it's tough sometimes because of the imbalances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. You get those, yeah, those one-sided type sports. I think, well, I think of like pitching either softball or baseball, I could see some imbalances carrying over into even just other sports where you're like, Oh, I'm, I've got like a goofy form because my right side is developed in a different way than my left side. And yeah, it gets kind of, it gets a little more complicated. And I mean, I get reminded for that from time to time too, where it's like, uh, as a kid, you did enough variance that you could just jump into a game of baseball, basketball, football, or whatever happened to be. And whatever like movements were required for that sport, you were tuned enough to it just because of the variety of things you did. Whereas now as an adult who has focused most of my energies on running and any type of like tertiary type things that also are going to supplement that. And if I go out and start throwing a baseball or a football around for 30 minutes, I guarantee you I'm probably going to be sore the next day. <laughs> and it's just like, that's not the case when you're a kid. So like, uh, I think uh, having that, um, having some of that structure and kind of keeping around some of those activities that, or some, something that's going to address the movements in those activities are probably good for just overall health and, and uh and fitness when we're looking at just that side of the equation yeah i agree and i and for me too that was um that was a big part of why i started doing triathlon because at least it gave me variety to do you know to do more than one thing and i listen i have over you know especially since the pandemic i've fallen in love with running right Uh, i never thought that was possible i never ever ever thought i'd be a runner and i'm still not I, i wouldn't call myself a runner i run um but Every once in a while, like t- I swam this morning after I ran yesterday. I was like, you know what? I'm fine. I'm going to go get in this cold pool. I kind of need it because what I did yesterday. Um, but like, you know, I, I like I like having the option like, hey, you know, when you're a runner, if you're not running, I mean, for specificity, you know, if you're not running, you may not be getting better. Right. I mean, yeah, you, there's stuff you can do. You can stretch. You can do some weight training and all that. But the bicycle, per se, doesn't really trans, you know, transfer over to the run, right? Mm-hmm. Well, as far as triathlon goes, if I don't feel like running for whatever reason or I'm tired or just burned out, you know, I can spend a little extra time in the pool on the bike, right? Uh, and and obviously, that's not ideal. But, you know, even in the offseason, right, I can, I've taken – I've taken months off of swimming and months off the bike to do, you know, to focus on the other things. Right. And uh, I mean, and what they say is, you know, why, why suck at one thing when you can suck at three. And that's kind of the, uh, that's kind of, that's kind of the mindset I go in with it. Yeah. And no doubt. So let's, let's rewind a bit here and get a little bit into your story. Cause I think you've got uh, other aspects to this uh, kind of multifaceted fitness routine and journey that you're on that kind of adds a little bit of flavor to it. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you started out as an Air Force in the Air Force, correct? Yes, sir. So, yeah, I um I grew up in Appalachia, uh, you know, that southeast Kentucky area right there in the, the coal mining country, you know, um, where basketball is king. Right. I mean, the whole state of Kentucky serious, but I tend to you know, I always felt like, I, you know, hey, I'm only I'm only an hour from Knoxville, Tennessee versus two hours of Lexington, right? So I was a volunteer, right? So for me, it was football was my passion and my love. Uh, but I ended up, you know, I mean, it was one of those things. Grew up in a, you know, really, really poor, poor area. So, you know, it's it's been devastated, you know, over the last several years by, you know, the kind of the, you know, the the reduction in coal mining. And I, I just counted down the days of getting out, man. So went in the Air Force, uh, basically right out of high school, um, spent 
about a decade in the Air Force, uh, went and worked overseas when I got out, spent a couple of years working as a defense contractor in Baghdad and across the Middle East. Um, and I mean, and I, I, I trained a lot while I was in the military. Um, I fell in love with fitness pretty early on in that. And but man, when I went to when I was in the Middle East, you didn't have anything to do but work out. So I joked that that was like powerlifting and bodybuilding camp. Right. So after two years there, I mean, my fitness has completely changed. And I came home, um, opened a gym in San Antonio. And uh, yeah, so owned a gym there until 2014. Um, ended up selling that and moving to Dallas about that time, 2014, started, uh, started selling houses and did that for the last several years until I walked away from that earlier this year to, to coach full time. Nice. So when, when you were over, uh, over in the Middle East, and had that kind of opportunity to start focusing on some training just due to the nature of how things were laid out. Was that kind of a pretty typical approach for a lot of the other guys and gals in the, in the service there? Or, and if so, was there a variety there or was there certain things that you, you all started to kind of gravitate towards? Yeah. So when I used to deploy early on, right. Like, I mean, I used to, I used to go to Saudi Arabia quite a bit, like when I was active duty and there was no war in Saudi Arabia right then, mm -hmm. especially this is, you know, this is late 90s, early 2000s, uh, before September 11th, right? So, man, you'd go over there, dude, and you would, you, I mean, guys would get shredded, right? Because, I mean, you're around a bunch of other people that are like, hey, I'm going to use this this time. You're walking everywhere, so you've got, you're naturally increasing your steps, right? Um, and there's the, 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 the training facilities, the gyms, especially in Saudi Arabia, were unbelievable. I mean, they were like lifetime on steroids, right? So you had the opportunity to train and there's just a lot of downtime. Now there are plenty of people that sit in, sit in a room and watch movies, you know, sit around, I mean, you know, sitting on the internet, but for the, you know, for the most part, and typically the weather's pretty pleasant if you're there in the spring or the winter, anything time about the summer. Right. Um, but yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people train and then, and, and Iraq, I mean, there's absolutely nothing else going on. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you've got, and, and, and that was during, you know, during the peak of the war, um, you almost have to, 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 you know, just to get your mind off of where you're at. You're in pretty much the shittiest place on earth. Right. And, you know, you, there, you, something else has to, to, you know, to take your, your focus off that because there's not intramural sports in Iraq. Well, they weren't, there wasn't where I was at. Um, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot going on. Right. I mean, there's no bars, there's nothing to do. Right. So you're like, Hey man, I can go to the, I can go work out for two, three, four hours at a time. And, you know, and, uh, and that was also a good place to have social time as well, since there were no like really real hangout places. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to kind of to hear about what all goes on. Because I think everyone just thinks like, you know, yeah, I mean, even if you're doing similar like hours as a typical job, they're still like, you know, you're not coming home for the weekend and hanging out. You know, you're, you're kind of stuck where you're at. So I'm sure there's a lot of like, you know, like community built and fitness and stuff built around some of that sort of uh, environment. Um but so when you came back, then I know you you had a, a a health journey that you took that, if I'm not mistaken, led you into some of the triathlon ultra type stuff. Uh, was that after the gym sale that you you had gained some weight and decided you needed to kind of reverse your health course? Yeah, man. So when I sold my gym, I kind of sold all health aspects of my life. <laughs> You're done. So like <laughs> when I walked away from that, it was. That it was a downward spiral, right? I moved up. I mean, we had when we we I mean everything just went as bad as it possibly could with the move and with the job and everything. And 
I had never like ever had like financial difficulty ever. And then I, I went through that and it was a big struggle. So, um, and it was, so I, you know, that it just, I let life get in the way like so many people do. Right. And I blamed it on, I was busy. I was, you know, stressed and blah, blah, blah. So I didn't, not only did I not exercise for the better part of four, uh, better part of five years, I don't think I ate a healthy meal for five years. Right. I mean, I ate freaking Whataburger. I'm in Texas, right? <laughs> I ate trash nonstop. So fast forward up till 2018. Um, my now my ex-wife, but she was pregnant um with our baby. And I was, man, I was acting crazy. When we'll talk about what I did yesterday, but that was without the running that I did, I was knocking down, dude. I would drink a, a handle of vodka, a fifth of vodka in a day. Um, and sometimes I'd run out of that and rip open some beers. I'd wake up and I was like, holy shit, look how much beer I drank. Right. And so nothing I did was healthy. And my, my job, I was working roughly, you know, over 75 hours a week and, um, and, you know, use that as an excuse to not do anything healthy. Uh, I was highly stressed. Right. So we had gone through, we had had a, a couple of miscarriages. Right. So this is a very, very high risk pregnancy. Uh, so I'm stressed about that. The baby's looking good and healthy. Uh, we get to Father's Day 2018, right? Now, I'm about, at this point, I'm about 280 pounds. I, last time I checked was 275, and I had only gained. And I was like, I ain't getting back on that damn scale. I don't <laughs> want to see it. It doesn't matter. I'll get this stuff figured out later, right? Just like everybody else, it just, you know, keeps getting worse and worse. Um, Father's Day 2018, so three weeks before my daughter Ava was born, I, um man, I, I was sitting at work, and I had like, I had like a tightness in my, in my arm, um, I, I was kind of short of breath and I had convinced myself that, that I like, I get on, I get on like WebMD and I'm like, holy shit. I read, and I'm like, dude, I'm having a heart attack. Right. Because everything sounds like a heart attack. Right. So I get up, I drive home. I was like, Hey I, guys, I'm going to take the rest of the day off. I sold houses. Right. So Sunday's a big day. So I leave, I go, I go to the house. Um, and I tell, and I try to calmly tell Lisa, my, you know, my wife, I told, I try to calmly tell her like, Hey, I think I need to go to the doctor. Now it's coming from somebody that does not go to the doctor under any circumstance. I mean, it's not easy to get me to the doctor that in itself terrified her. Right. So I was like, I think I'm okay, but let's go to the doctor anyway. Right. So we go to the emergency room. It's packed. It's a Sunday. It's packed. So I walk up to the lady and I say, I think I'm having a heart attack. And I say it calm. And dude, if you ever want to get to the back of an emergency room, that's all you need to say. <laughs> They had me on a gurney. They had me stripped. They threw me. I was in, I was in the back. They were hooking stuff up to me. They shot me up with a bunch of stuff. I mean, they had pins in me, needles, all these things, and pulling blood. And they're like, and I'm now I'm like freaking out, like holy shit, they're nervous, right? So mm -hmm. my blood pressure was through the roof. I mean, they once they pull, you know, they kind of everything kind of settled down. They realized I wasn't having a heart attack, but they're like, look, man, you're not having a heart attack. But you're heading there very quickly. You're you're not. I mean, you don't have anything really wrong per se that can't be reversed, right? But your blood counts are in the toilet, right? Um, you're you're not doing well, and you're obviously we're not telling anything. You don't know you're overweight, and um, so you know you would think three weeks out of a baby, uh, having that that I would I would act like I had some sense, right? So I go I go home that day and I think I ate somewhat healthy that day, but then like a day or two later I was back at it, man. So baby's born um you know, and then you've got the the first couple of months of having a newborn, right? Just the same thing everybody says, right? I I mean, I was worried about her and keeping her healthy and happy. 
So it was October of 2018. I decided like, hey, listen, this is this is nonsense. This is terrible. Right. I mean, I hurt from the second I get up. I'm, I'm just tired of being tired. So I decided I was like, I don't feel like going to the gym. Um, I, I, I was like, so the, the other options, basically I can go run. I was like, dude, I, I, I was, I was in the military, right? I can run. Surely I can run. I tell myself, I'm going to go out and run three miles. I, so <laughs> when you run out of my, my front door, there's three roads, right? I basically live at a, almost at a fork, right? And they're all uphill. So I ran and I might've run 500 feet, maybe right? 500 to 600 feet. And I was busted. I was done. My calves hurt. I couldn't breathe. I thought I was dying. I mean, my heart rate had to be 250, right? I thought I was dying and I was devastated. I was like, and that's when it really hit me how far I had fallen, how bad it had gotten, right? So I go back home and I'm just absolutely crushed. This is October, right? And my, my ex-wife asked me how'd it go. And I'm like, not good. You know, I think I threw up, right. I was, I think I cried. Right. And I was convinced like, man, all my neighbors see me out here look like a, you know, like I'm falling apart. Right. So I, nothing changed. So nothing, nothing, nothing happened. Right. So I kind of go back to a lot I've been doing just like, well, you know, this is where I'm at now. I'm just a fat guy and I'm just going to drink all the time. And uh, the training is done. So we owned a Peloton, but I was like, yeah, I hate that damn thing. Right. It's not comfortable. I don't want to be on it. I'm not a cyclist. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm just giving it up. Right. So move forward to December 12th. Um, and it happens to coincide with the day that David Goggins book can't hurt me was, was released. And I had seen David, um, I had seen David on Joe Rogan, you know, a couple of times by this point, I think. Right. And, um, I, and I was like, his story resonated with me. And come to find out, he and I were at pararescue training together. Oh, wow. <laughs> in, in 1995, right? So he's he's a few classes behind me. Um, but we were there at the same time. He started, and, and some of his podcasts, I started hearing the names. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. That had to be the same time. And he's, you know, <laughs> just a few months older than I am. So I was like, we're just, you know, one-on-one together, kind of figured it out. And then I knew some other guys that knew him. And I was like, hey, kind of find out we were there at the same time. So that really, really like, I was like, hey, man, he went through very similar to what I've kind of gone through. Right. So I decided again, December 12th, I was like, I'm going to run. And, and this I don't care if I have to run, walk. I don't care. I'm going to go further than I went last time. And, and I, you know, something's got to change. It has to change. Right. So I take off up the hill same way, man. And I made it maybe 100 feet further, but I made it further. And this time I decided I was like, listen. That hurt. That hurt bad. And I am pretty far gone. But you know what? I'm going to walk my ass back to the house and we'll get on that Peloton. Right. So I got on the Peloton for a little bit. Um, and that night I woke up in you know, that witching hour at 2 a.m. Right. I woke up and I was laying there and I was I felt bad. My legs hurt from the 600 foot run I just had. Right. And I said, you know what? I, I've got to do something. I've got a little spark. Right. And I, and I don't want to lose it. So I got my ass up. And I got on that Peloton, right? And this is, you know, around Christmas season. So we had moved our Peloton into the media room um, to get it out of the way for the Christmas trees. We had like three Christmas trees. So I go in that media room and I decide, listen, I don't need this lady yelling, let's go. But I don't need that. I don't need the music. I don't need anything. I'm not even going to turn the screen on. And I sat and I wrote it for four hours. Um, I hadn't done anything physical. Right. And I had no idea. Like I was drinking water. I think I might have had 
I mean, I might have had a, a, a Nutri-Grain bar or something, and I know that was piss poor, but I was like, I need something because I'm getting lightheaded here. And I just mm-hmm. said I rode for four hours. So I got off that bike, and um, I, I signed up for a, a Spartan race that was six months out, right? I figured it's going to take me six months to run 5K, right? So um, I, I signed up for that, and I figured, you know, six months, I can do it. I'll be ready to go. Six months, I can run three miles. And then the next day, I was like, you know what? That's not enough. I signed up for an Ironman. <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting when like just hearing the the different like progressions through uh getting motivated staying motivated and stuff like that because i think there's, there's there's always different personalities there and they respond to different things and you know you, you listen to like the david gog i mean david goggins is kind of like the poster boy for at this point for the like you know just like stop making excuses, get out there, do it, fight your inner demons. And they'll be there every day. Don't think they're going to go away. Don't wait for the day they're going to go away. And it, like his quote, like I just stared at my shoes for 30 minutes before I got yeah. up for their own type of mentality. And, and he, he, he takes all the arrows from, from folks about that being like unsustainable for most people or not the best wet path forward. And with any of this stuff, I look at it and I think, I think to myself, like, well, nothing has a hundred percent success rate or even close so you take the most proven successful way or the most likely by the percentages way to get someone fit and healthy. It's like, you're still going to have a huge chunk of the population that isn't going to respond to that. So what do you do with them? And with that being the case, I like to look at this as here's like, there's like this buffet of different options, different personalities. And I don't really care if a person decides I'm going to be like all in on David Goggins style of coaching or working out if that's what they think is going to work best for them or they feel it's going to work for them and then just go for it because it's, uh, you know, it clearly works for some people, whether it's a, you know, a small minority or like a big chunk of the population or whatever it happens to be. And if it seems like you responded well to that, am I right about that? Or was there other things along the way that kind of kept you going too? Yeah. I mean, that, that was like the spark, right? I mean, and, and I, and not necessarily that I cared to be David. Cause I mean, at that point, dude, I would say, and I, I gotta, I gotta say this. I didn't listen. I signed up for this Ironman and I, and it was, and I, I picked one 11 months out. Right. And this is funny. So I, first off, complete transparency. I didn't know what an Ironman was when I signed up, I paid to whatever, I had no idea. Dude, I thought it was a one mile swim, <laughs> a 50 mile bike ride, and a and a 10 mile ride. I had no clue, right? So I sign up for it. And then like I go to work or something, right? I mean, I don't even know. You know, I'm telling people, hey, I signed up for an Iron Man. And a guy I worked with looked at me like, have you lost your you lost your <laughs> mind? And I said, no. And he goes, dude, you ran, you told me you almost died running, uh, you know, a quarter of a mile. He goes, Do you swim? I was like, well, I haven't swam in 25 years. I haven't swam a lap and I was never a good swimmer. I'm still not a very good swimmer. Um, so I had never, I hadn't swam a lap in 25 years. I had never been on a road bike. I'd never been on one. I'd never clipped in. I did it on the Peloton, you know, mm-hmm. once or twice. Right. And I, like I said, I had just, I had basically run the first time I had run in 13 years and I still hadn't run a mile. And and he's telling me, dude, that's like a hundred mile bike ride. He's telling, I was like, no, no, no. And I look it up and I'm like, oh man. Well, too late now. I'm already in, right? Mm-hmm. I'm doing it, right? So, yeah, I like. I mean, so it was for me. It was like for David, right? And he said, and his thing was, people come up to him, "Hey, I want to do a hundred mile run in the next two or three years." He's like, "No, dude, sign up right now." So that was what that really that right there mattered to me. That helped me, right? Now, I, I, I listen. 
I understand. I mean, he, I, I, you know, when you start doing crazy stuff, I'm sure people tell you all the time how crazy you are, Zach, right? Because mm-hmm. the hundreds and the 12 hours and the 20, all the stuff you've done, right? So, you know, David, get, he takes a lot of heat for that. But I mean, listen, I agree with you, man. If some, you know, it, whatever, whoever it is that leads you to it, right? Whether you stay like that or stay with that person or whatever, man, there's not a whole lot bad you can say, right? And the funny thing is the only, so the the average normal person, when I said I signed up for an Ironman, they were so supportive. They said they were kind, they were proud. I had some friends like, yeah, right. But then like six months later, they were like, there's no, you're, you're good. You're going to do it, right? There's no way you won't do it. But man, it was weird because the only negativity that I, that I got, that I get today are from the people that have done like eight to 10 Ironmans. They, they don't like it. They're, they're, it's bizarre, right? I, I call them elitist. I'm like, dude, I don't consider myself an Ironman. Don't worry. You can keep it. I've got the tattoo, but <laughs> right. I mean, but it's weird, man. And they, uh, yeah, it's weird. I, I, I get a lot of arrows from that crowd and I'm like, dude, I'm a normal guy that basically went from 280 pounds and we'll talk about that, that, that path to a 195 pounds in 11 months and, and completed an Ironman. Right. And based on the experience that I'd had at that point, it was basically impossible. And I get a lot of heat because people are like, no, people need to train two years. And if you're not doing it under 10 hours, you're not really an Ironman. I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, I, okay. Okay. Then I'm not an Ironman. Right. So, uh, but yeah, man. So, whatever it takes to get you to that point, whether it's Nick bear, whether it's David Goggins, Cameron Hayne, Zach Bitter, whoever, right? I mean, I, you know, I, I, there's not a whole lot I will say bad about any of that or any of those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You wonder sometimes with that, like, like the pushback you're getting from a specific population, I think it's like, to some degree, I wonder if it's like a little bit of uh, kind of a knockdown to them in their minds in the sense that they did it a specific way and they did it in a way where in order to get to where they wanted to be, it took two years. So they get a little upset when they see someone kind of just sign up randomly and in a few months complete the distance because it's like, it almost minimizes them what they did in their minds a little bit. In reality, it's like, at that point, I would question what their why is like, if you're caring about what someone else is doing and how they're doing it, what they're, their progression is or their end result goals are or whatever their motivation is you've already lost you've lost because you're starting to try to like live through some other window other than whatever your your actual motivation is or you're you're disguising yourself from what your actual motivation is and your actual motivation isn't something that's great and i think that's a you know we're humans so we're going to cope to avoid that thought process yeah. um but yeah i mean i think like yeah, i i just find it i find it interesting too cuz it's like you know, there's, there's people who I've talked to who've done hundred mile races off, like barely any training, like 10, 15 miles a week training. And granted they're walking the majority of it, but they're traveling a hundred miles in less than say 30 hours or so. And it's like, it can be done. It's like, I think we underestimate what the human body is capable. Is there like ways to do it that are likely going to be easier on your body or better for your health? Probably, but um, you know, there's also, there's also just like individual personalities. And sometimes I think signing up, putting that target on this, on the foreseeable future is what's going to keep you going and get you to where someone like you are today versus where you were when you, you know, found yourself in the hospital that one night. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and and that was the whole reason was, and that's that's my motivation for all the stuff I do now is because once I did it, once I went through it and did it, I realized, man, what am I capable of, right? Mm-hmm. What have I, what could I have been by this point? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to live a life moving forward that I'm not going to wonder that. I'm not going to question that. And that may that may be be setting having Mexican food on Sunday. So I think I'm going to run 100 miles on, on, on Thursday, right, or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, I, that was, and that's why I do what I do. And that's why I do it publicly is because it's not for me. It is to an extent, right. But it's not all about that. dude. I just want people to see that we're capable of, of some unbelievable things. If we're willing, just, if you just go do it right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, and the, the, the mind's ready to quit long before the body, you know, the body has to, right. And, and, and that's me. I mean, I, for me, it's just, I like the challenges. I like, I, I kind of like, listen, eventually I'm going to do one of these things and I'm going to crash and burn. I, yesterday for a fact, I thought was likely at about eight miles in, I was like, this is terrible. Right. But I mean, I, I, every time I do something crazy, right. Whether it's on a whim, I ran a hundred miles 26 days ago. And then I decided 13 days later, I'm going to do a full distance Ironman, right. Just on a, on a Wednesday. Right. So I did that, but I got, I got to the pool and I was like, I feel good in the water. So I swam 3.6 miles. So I went mm-hmm. further than an Ironman swim, right? And then I decided to do what I did yesterday, right? Every time I do that, my DMs are lit up by a dad in Georgia that's like, dude, I haven't ran in 25 years. I'm going to run today, right? And for me, Man, listen, my heart, I can't I can't do what Zach Bitter can do. Right. But I understand there's people that are exactly where I was less than four years ago. Right. So when I see that person, if if that person's able to get up and whether it's running, whether it's go lift weights or start any kind of routine or sign up for a, you know, a 5K turkey trot, man, I know the impact that that can be on a life and how it can change the rest of your life irrevocably. Right. So that's, that's kind of, that's kind of a big part of why, why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it makes sense. Um, yeah. Let's ju- let's jump into what you did yesterday. Cause I think it sort of sums up your spontaneity when it comes to these sort of things. I, I was actually surprised by, it. we had had this interview scheduled and I have uh, this group, this uh, message group that we'll just chat about random stuff on in Twitter and someone on there posted like, Oh, there's this guy, uh, um, this guy, uh, Boyd Myers, he's going to be doing this challenge. He's going to run a marathon and drink 24 beers in a day. And I'm like, wait a second, Boyd Myers clicked on my calendar. Like, Shit. He's coming on my podcast tomorrow. <laughs> They're checking and see if he's going to be okay with this. And uh, yeah. So what given, given where you came from, what was the, like, what was the catalyst for a challenge like that? Cause it seems to maybe fit, a little bit outside of what you've done outside of the spontaneity, a little different than what you've maybe done from physical challenges in the past. Yeah. So man, if I was, I was tweeting, I was just texting back and forth. So I was saying that I've got a bunch of these groups. Right. And I, and I know so many guys, I mean, some people reach out to me and they're like, man, Hey, you know, listen, they're like, Hey dude, I like to, I like to let loose on the weekend, like to have some beers, you know, I like to watch it's football season. Right. And I'm a, I'm a, I, I live for Tennessee football. My son is named Peyton and my dog is named Knox, right? <laughs> so, you know, I take it pretty serious. And I like, I, so I get it. And guys are like, yeah, man, but uh, I, I, I'm just not giving up the beers or whatever, right? 
And, and then if you get on like fitness Twitter or Instagram, you think these people live like monks, right? So that they, they, they don't have fun. They, you know, all they do is work out. And I mean, they don't have any life but sitting in, you know, a well-lit gym and taking great pictures. Right. So I just, you know, for me, it was, you know what, I'm going to mix the two, right? You don't have to live like a monk. It'll be, if anything else, it'll be good for a few laughs, but also too, man. I mean, you can't say I had six last night. I'm not going to the gym. Right. So I decided basically on Sunday that I was going to do this, right. I was going to, I was going to, I was going to drink a case of beer and I, I don't know how long it's been since I've sat down at one side and put a case of beer. It's been a minute and I want to run a marathon. Right. I, I had no strategy about it. I didn't know the best way to do it. I was like, a sloshing is going to be terrible. Right. So I was going to kind of wing it um, and just, you know, kind of live tweet it and, you know, kind of get some laughs on it. So I looked at when I looked at my calendar, I was like, man, I got to talk to Zach better on Wednesday. Um, I think I'll do it Tuesday because I had a lot of stuff going on Thursday. And I was like, this guy may cancel my ass. Right. I, I wouldn't blame you if you did. Right. So especially when I went back and watched my videos, I'm like, man, uh, that's bad. But um, so I decided to do it. Right. And then, um, you know, once I started, I was like, OK, so I'm going to have a few beers and then I'm going to run. I'll run, drink, run, drink, run, drink. I may <clears throat> I may not be able to carry the beers. I mean, that they may cause issues. So I was going to figure it out as I went. Well, then I, I, you know, I put down six or whatever. I was like, man, those are going pretty good. I think I'll drink for an hour and then run. Right. Yeah, that was uh, that was some dumbass thinking, man. So. <laughs> I, um, I, 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 I drank, I mean, I was, I was well ahead of pace on the beers, right? I was, I think I was at eight miles. I had like 20 beers now. And I was, I was like, holy cow. Now I still got 18 miles to go. And I don't, I don't want to run. I don't want to drink anymore. I want to stop. Right. So I, I was, you know, I lied and it was a good laugh. I, you know, um, but man, like, you know, I've run the hundreds. I've done the, you know, I've done Ironman, done all this crazy stuff just on my own. By, I mean, it took me a long time. Those are some slow miles because I, I started my run like that was my timer, right? So I was drinking, but my clock was running. I mean, the first mile took me 56 minutes or something like that, right? Uh, because I was sitting, right? Um, drinking beer. So yeah, man, that was rough. It was a challenge, but uh, yeah, I think it got, I think it got a lot of good laughs and uh, it took me eight hours, I think 36 minutes to do it all. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to be doing that again. I don't think, but uh, we'll see, man. I mean, <laughs> nor should you. I think one's probably enough for that. <laughs> it's a, yeah. a, a one-off, I would imagine. It, yeah, it's a yeah. It's certainly not something that I think you would you're going to find a lot of health benefits from zero um, zero health benefits from. But to your point, it is uh, it's hard to make an excuse when you know you had a few drinks one night and you want to skip your your morning workout after that if you're following you and you see that. Um, if you look at just like the, the actual application of that too, I would think like, I was thinking about this, like, I want to say my approach would be just to bang out the marathon and then start drinking. But I don't know. Cause like, I, th I think that the value of spacing out, I mean, the fluids, that's a lot of fluid is actually yes. where I, there's, there's the alcohol component, obviously. So like there's that, but then there's also just the volume of fluid that you're consuming uh, throughout the course of the day. And when you just look at just like the physiological ability to process amounts of fluid, I mean, we're looking at like for someone like you who trains a lot, you you can probably process 30, maybe 33 ounces or so of fluid per hour. So, uh, I mean, obviously you can consume more than that, but whether right, your, right. what your body does with it is the, is the next question. So it's like with that in mind, I'm thinking like, well, maybe you do want to space them out a little bit more so that you're not 
completely flushing out like all your electrolytes and that sort of thing. But what were you doing? What else were you eating or drinking uh, along the way while you were doing that? Well, so my plan was I had made some food, right? I was ready to go. I was like, dude, I, I treated it like I would treat any, you know, event, any race, right? Um, man, I lost all food appetite, I think before I ran. So I, I so whatever I had pre, pre-workout, I, um, I mean, I, I did, I did drink Scratch Labs Ultra Hydrator early, right? Mm-hmm. I figured I'm going to need as much electrolytes as possible. Yeah. Uh, I was drinking, I tried to drink You Can, but I, it, for and I, and I love it. And it always works for me. But for some reason, I couldn't get it to, it just wasn't working yesterday, right? So I was taking a uh, base salt. Um, I, I had, pl- I think I had one goo gel and that was like, nah, that doesn't mix with beer at all. Right. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I, I know at one point I had, I, I, I ran by the little grocery store and I was out and I was like, man, I'm, I'm done drinking beer for a minute. So mm-hmm. I bought two G2s. I was like, I just need something. Right. I mean, cause the calories didn't even sound good. Right. So I was like, let me get, let me just basically G2 is flavored water with a little electrolyte, but that was the best thing they had at that gas station. Right. So mm-hmm. I was like, let me try this. Um, but yeah, man, I, I mean, as far as a health from a health standpoint, yeah, that was, it was a terrible idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, I did midway through the race. I did. I, cause I had a peanut butter jelly sandwich and now I'm, I'm foggy on what I had now had a peanut butter jelly sandwich, uh, like probably eight or 10 miles in. And then I had a, um, my, my son had some tortillas in the, in, in the, uh, in the kitchen. So I threw some ham and cheese on a tortilla and rolled it up and ate it. Cause I was like, I'm sure I need some, you know, some calories other than, you know, other than alcohol. But yeah, that was more like a uh, drunk munchy food at that point. So I knocked that down. I was, I was drinking water. I figure that just based on, just based on the bottles that I had at the end, I, I was, I have Evian, you know, these 33 ounce bottles. And uh, I mean, I think I drank like six or seven of those too. So that, um, I calculated during, I actually drank closer to about 30 beers, not 24. Um, don't ask me why, uh, but <laughs> just lost yeah. down after a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I just, it just became habit to just crack one open. And uh, yeah, but uh, that was, again, I'm not doing that again. I don't want to do that again. Uh, that was a rough day, but surprisingly, I woke up this morning and I felt really good. So <laughs> maybe <laughs> that's have, the way, right? Must've been the light beers. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you drink 30 of them, I don't know if yeah. there's, I don't know if it's lighting. Yeah. You can always, it. yeah. Diluted maybe. Yeah. So yeah, I would think like salty solid foods would probably sound the best. Cause you're, you're taking in tons of fluids already. Uh, then it's like to take in more, I mean, clearly you drank more fluids, but like, I would just think the appealing nature of more fluid calories probably wouldn't be the first thing in my mind, but salty and solid would not probably feel good to some degree, as long as your stomach doesn't get too full of it, because you were probably still running at that point as well, which would, you know, obviously adds to the, uh, the, the entire process, but. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. Um, you know, I, I, I can tell you this right here because everybody's asked me about going to the bathroom, right? I, I really did. My stomach didn't get upset at all. Um, I didn't pee anywhere near as much as I normally would either. So that, you know, there's, I mean, again, not good. Right. I mean, I, you know, now my body, seems like it's filtering the uh the water a little better today but uh yeah man i um i broke the sill early people were asking me, oh man you're in big trouble <laughs> once that happened you know you would think you know drinking drinking beer especially at the rate i was drinking it 
uh, you'd have to go pee more. And yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I maybe during the whole time, I may have peed five or six times. So it wasn't awful, whole lot. So yeah, I, I really hydrated a lot. I mean, and that's, and you obviously know this, but a lot of people, especially when they're new, uh, to endurance or ultra endurance is they think they can just wake up in the morning and start banging water and electrolytes and they're hydrated, right? Well, hydration is a 24 hour process. So the day before I was really, really focused well on my hydration and um, that, that may have saved me too. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know what? I just remembered I did, I did drink some, I did drink some, some bone broth. Okay. And, so you got yeah. some electrolyte or sodium probably from that. Yeah. I, I, and I took, I, t- I had sea salt and I just cranked it in there too. I was like, so I did make it as, as electrolyte loaded as I possibly could. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's weird from a hydration standpoint, I, I, I felt like I performed okay considering, uh, I didn't cramp or anything. So, and I didn't have any, you know, GI distress or anything like that. So, Mm-hmm. And actually, do you, have you ever watched Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Yes, of course. And you remember that episode? Was it uh um shoot, who was the baseball player that they were trying to replicate? He had like I think he had he pitched like a was it a was it a if I'm remembering right, he like pitched a no-hitter, but he had drank like just an insane amount of beer like before the games, and they were gonna try to like see if they could break his his uh um his record or something like that, and they were like flying on a plane and all sorts of crazy stuff it just when when i saw that story it just took me back to that episode for whatever reason <laughs> yeah yeah i you know it's funny i heard you know you always hear you heard i always heard like crazy legends about some athletes would you know get i mean like wade boggs would drink a case of beer a day or whatever yeah that's who it was yeah 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 i i don't i i i know the story of him but i don't think i've ever seen that episode but uh yeah that's i kept thinking about i kept thinking to myself right i kept thinking about uh Wade Boggs. I was like, man, if he can play, you know, baseball at a high level, and he was like a three thirty career hitter or whatever. I was like, man, I can come out here and do this for one day. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And I mean, you're not like a a person who's normally drinking drinking any alcohol, right? You're you're pretty much void of that in the mo- for the most part. And this was just kind of a challenge, or am I wrong? About yeah, that? I mean, it's when I when I get closer to prep, I typically I typically just pull it out. There's, I mean, I listen there's zero health benefits. I mean, and the, you know, the other benefits, right. The other issues it can cause, you know, that's obviously, you know, that's quite obvious, but um, I'm 32 days out from, uh, from Waco, right. I'm doing the full and half Ironman on back-to-back days. So that is not something normally I would do drink a case of beer. I may have, you know, may have a few with dinner or something occasionally here and there, but I'm not the kind of guy that I'm pretty extreme. So I'm not, I'm not the kind of guy that'll just like have one a day. If I'm, you know what, if I'm going to drink some beer, I'm going to drink some beer. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, during prep, I traditionally, any kind of prep or anything, right. I traditionally eliminate it or completely minimize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're kind of an all or nothing <laughs> kind yeah. of attitude. Um, yeah, let's talk about, uh, Ironman Waco because if, uh, if I remember correctly there, that's where you're doing the gold star initiative. Yes, sir. Um, so I am a member, I, I, I raised my first race as the, as Ironman foundation. And that's basically the charitable organization of Ironman. Um, so I, 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 I was scheduled for Cozumel last year. So after I did, I did Ironman Arizona in 2019, right. And as you probably know, that was November, 2019, the world stopped soon thereafter, mm-hmm. right. Kobe Bryant died and things went to hell. Right. Yeah. So you know, no one knew that was going to be the last race for a couple of years. Right. So I, the 11 months I went through for my first Ironman, dude, it was just learn to suffer. I was like, listen, I will, if it takes me 17 hours, I will suffer for 17 hours. Right. So I didn't, 
I didn't prioritize on two training or anything. I just like, Hey, let me get on this bike and see how far I can ride. I mean, it was a, just the dumbest, you know, training program possible. But um, I, I, in my mind, I was like, I don't have time to build this cardio engine that I don't have. Right. So, I mean, I'm just going to learn to suffer. Right. So after Ironman Cosmo, I, I had no plans of any race. Um, I was like, Hey, but I really love what I started doing. Right. So I was like, Hey, I'm going to spend a while. I'm not going to rush off and race. I'm going to spend some time actually learning. I mean, to be a cardio athlete, some standpoint, right? So started doing everything, you know, zone two, I was obsessed with zone two. And then I would do some animal training here and there, but you know, I learned to run extremely slow because during Ironman, my first Ironman prep, my heart rate was 160 the second I started running. Well, yeah, I figured that out, how to get it down, how to run at 120, how to get it to 125 or even if it walk. Right. So I did a lot of that. So I felt like, you know, over the, and then COVID hit, right? You couldn't race if you wanted to. So they started opening racing up again in 21. And um, I, 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 I signed up for Cozumel and I felt like, man, I feel good. I mean, I, I like, I, 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 I don't know what I can do right now, but I was like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm this time I can actually race. I felt like, right. Not race anybody else, but put a respectable time up. Um, and, and, and then I got COVID. I got really, really sick just about, I think six weeks out. So I, I, me being me, I was out for like three days and I was like, you know what? I'm not letting this, this stop me. And I went out and ran and it was, it was hot that day. It was probably, it was probably, you know, high nineties, whatever. And I go out and run and I was like, something's not right. Right. My heart rate shot up immediately. Right. The second I go outside in the heat and then next day I, I realized, yeah, I messed up. So I come down with pneumonia and I made it a lot worse than needed to be. Right. So, Co so Cosmel was out. So I rescheduled it to do it this year. Well, I'll be honest with you. I mean, so I'd like, yeah, I was excited. And, but I never did. I, I, I never, I never started doing this because I wanted to be, you know, I cared about doing, you know, going to Cone or anything like that. It's not, you know, it's not happening unless they just let me go. Um, so, or the, you know, if I race 10 Ironmans, I don't think I want to do that. Right. So I, I wasn't, motivated about the race, right? I didn't have that purpose, right? The first time was I need to change my life. I mean, this, I need, I have children that depend on me. Um, I, I'm not going to be around long. So I need something that's going to help me change my entire life. Right. So that was the motor, the driving factor for the first. So I start looking at things. I'm like, let me find something to do. And then I just look at the Ironman. I, I never, ever thought about racing in Texas. Part of racing was like, let me go to somewhere cool, somewhere I don't live. Right. But I noticed this year they were do a they were doing the full and the half, and they're doing it in way on the same weekend in Waco. Now you know there's only two there's only one other place to do that. It's Ironman Wisconsin, right? They just did that, right? Mm -hmm. So I figured, hey, I want to race both of them. You know, that's something I could get motivated for. I think, right? That's something that would drive me to make me want to do it. It's in my backyard. It's three hours south, right? I mean, I have no excuse not to do it. Well, I called like, ah, let me let me see if there's an, an Ironman Foundation, if they're doing anything there. So I called the guy and they'd had some turnover. So it was a pain in the, the ass to get in touch with anybody. And the guy calls me back, a guy that I'd spoken with, you know, a couple of years ago. And he asked me, he said, hey, you're a veteran, right? And I was like, yeah, I was in the Air Force. He said, would you be interested in doing the Gold Star Initiative for this race? And I was like, ah, what is that? I don't know what that is, right? So that Gold Star Initiative is a program where, during race week, you spend time with a gold star family. And that's someone that has lost a military member, you know, in service. Right. And it, it could be in battle, could be in combat, 
but they also count the 22 a day that commit suicide, right? So you spend time with their families to remind them that, hey, that service is not forgotten. You you do the run portion of both of the races with carrying a full-size American flag. And then at the finish line, you present it to the family of the fallen, right? Now, understand, I choke up when I hear the national anthem. I mean, I, I always have. I do. I mean, especially you know, since you know, the year, since September 11th even, right, being in the military. Um, he goes, would you like to do that? And I was like, hell yes, absolutely. He goes, which race do you want to do? I said, both of them. I want to carry the flag on both runs. And he was like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. It's like my, the thought process behind that was like, okay, if I can't get motivated for that, then I'm dead, right? I, I, I'm dead. And and people were like, dude, you know how dumb that is, right? Carrying a flag. I, and it's funny. I don't like carrying a water bottle. I damn sure don't like carrying a beer can when I run. <laughs> I hate carrying stuff in my hands when I run, right? But I figure this. I figure that worst case, Saturday's the full Ironman, right? Worst case. I mean, if I go out there and I, cause I, I you know, it's a total different thing, right? I got to prep for two days, right? So I can't go out and try to put down a three hour marathon. Cause I'll, I'll blow up. And I, I know how, I know how I feel like, I know how my feet feel right now. Right. So I got, I mean, I've got to be, I've got to be, you know, cautious of that, but I figure if, if let's say I do a 14 hour, whatever on Saturday and I do a six or seven hour on Sunday, I, so we're talking less than 24 hours of suffering, right? Those families are going to suffer for the rest of their lives. If I can't spend a weekend in a little bit of discomfort or pain, then man, I got to rethink a whole lot of stuff, right? So that that's my mindset behind it. Um, so many, I, and I've, I've I've lost so many friends, and you know, and from the military, and their families often feel like um, that it's there's a lot of discomfort, right? They they're they feel like. Because I mean, you you've been on this side of it, right? You don't want to bring it up because you don't want to remind them or hurt them, but they're never forgetting, mm-hmm. right? So they feel like if it comes up, they're burdening people, and it, it's tough. You know, there's a lot of you know a lot of people have survivor's guilt, and and that's just what I I, I for me that's it just comes down to I want to show not just the families that I'll be you know having the, the honor of handing that flag to, but man, it's not forgotten. You know, this, I mean, this is, this is a pretty, I mean, still, this is a pretty great country and it's that way because of men and women that have, uh, have paid the ultimate price. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned a couple things there, I think that are interesting. And, um, you know, one is, uh, you, just, just the cause in general, the, the gold star family initiative and things. And I didn't realize it's 22 suicides per day. Is that the averages? Yeah, so military, and, and I'm not sure what the, I mean, the daily rates, I know this, during the last two years, suicide rates have, sure it's have skyrocketed, yeah. right? Um, but military for the last, for the last 30 years, I, I mean, I think going all the way back to Vietnam, even, um, military, military members, former members, and active duty members commit suicide at a rate of 22 per day. Now, there's critics of that of that are like, well, it's also, you know, it's it, it goes along with the, the, the you know, the, the, the type of people that join the military and the demographic and all that. I'm like, whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people are you know, men are living with stuff that that they can't talk about. They come home. Right. I mean, and that's a hard switch to turn off, especially these guys. I mean, I'm 46. Right. So you're I think you're a decade younger. Right. You're 36. 36. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, people our age, uh, a good majority of them have spent some time in the Middle East, right. Or in war. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it, it's hard. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of people have seen some things that you can't even fathom. Right. And to come home and to just go back to normal and never be talking about that. And, you know, we all know divorce rates, especially the last couple of years have gone through the roof, but military divorce rates have always been high. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a lot of stuff at least of that. Yeah. But 22 per day. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, I, I, and I don't even know how to attack it. I don't know where to start. Right. But mm -hmm. it is something that I, it is something that I, you know, that I'm, I'm keenly aware of. And yeah, I, I'd like, just, if nothing else, I want to bring awareness to it. Yeah. And like the other piece to that is like, even if you come back with all the good, right intentions, you're still being dropped back into an environment that you've been removed from for potentially years and the people in that environment have went about their lives. So it's like, you're on pause, they went through years and then you're expected just to kind of like phase right back into that seamlessly. It's like, you're going to feel out of place no matter what, as you reintegrate. Have you heard of the organization team red, white, and blue? Um, I have not. So yeah, I should connect you with them. They're great. I got, I actually was really fortunate. I met their founder, Mike Irwin. He was a major in the army back in 2011, I believe. And I think that's when he, right around when he started it. But essentially it is an organization where uh, when veterans come back, uh, they try to integrate them into a community so that they kind of have part of that piece to that puzzle kind of starting to fire up. So it's like, they get like a huge, what they call like civilian side of the organization where they're just trying to get like, uh, just, you know, people who were not overseas, but were here living their normal lives into, th they started with running. I think they have a whole bunch of different initiatives around fitness now. Uh, but yeah, they, they do all sorts of different like meetups, camps, clinics, and things like that, where they have just tons of people there. They welcome in the veterans and integrate them into these groups of people. And then they, it just kind of like blossoms these connections. I mean, I've, I've had people that I actually helped out with a couple of their trail camps uh, down near san antonio uh years ago and you know some of the some of the guys that i met there i still talk to today so it's like such a great organization it's gotten big too they do some stuff with like nascar now they've had like some partnerships with the nfl i believe and um, it's gotten pretty big as far as i can tell so uh but yeah i think you'd be really interested in what they're doing it's uh sounds like something right up your alley and i'm sure you could probably fire up a few people on on that side of things too yeah, yeah, and that and that, that is a big piece of it, right? Because that's the first thing guys say they miss once they get out of the military or they come home is mm -hmm. uh they miss the camaraderie, right? I yeah. mean, that's what you know, you miss your you miss your team. And I mean, especially some, you know, and we all know like going through going through bad things does tend to bring people closer. Um, and yeah, some of those guys have been through some some crazy, crazy stuff. I look, man, I'm fortunate, right? Um, I I I was I was in minimal combat, right? I was in minimal, like, I guess it, compared to here, I was in danger, but um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't out, you know, on convoys that got attacked and blown up. And man, I've talked to some of those guys and uh, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. And they come home and it's like you said, right. They, everybody else has moved on and, you know, they're still, they're still living like, Hey man, my, my, my best friend, the guy that I lived with, just, I watched him get blown apart by a, a suicide bomb or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, man, that's, uh, that's tough. And I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to learn more about the team red, white, and blue. So yeah, absolutely mm -hmm. connect me with them. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. I think they just, I mean, they saw what, what you mentioned, just the, the levels of depression and suicide and things like that, as well as addiction, you know, it's like something where like you come back into a world that is different or uh, you feel like you're disconnected from, it's like, where do you kind of like get the motivation to really like be productive? And I think it's like, like, you know, like going out and banging out a hard workout feels great. And that can sometimes set you up for like an amazing day or week even. And, you know, but other people don't always make that connection or get that experience. And then they turn to like drugs and alcohol and have like huge issues with that. And then it's, you know, I think that probably oftentimes leads to the leads to the suicide and that sort of stuff. So it's been cool to see what those guys have done over the last decade. And yeah, I'll, I'll loop you in with them. I think um, you'd be interested in hearing what they're about. Nothing else. No, absolutely. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to talk to them. Cool. So um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, just like your coaching and stuff. I know you have um, options for people. Is your coaching pretty detailed, like programming or is it more like consultation? Like this is how you like set up a structure to stay accountable and stay active and, and fit or how do you kind of go about that? Yeah. So I, I do a little bit of everything, right? So that, I mean, I do some consultation. A lot of people call me and say, Hey man, I'm running my first race in two weeks. Let's talk about nutrition, right? Because you just don't know what you don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I mean, you said it, I mean, I've, I've, I've run a hundred miles three times, right. I've, I've, I've been a power lifter. Um, I was a competitive bodybuilder. I mean, and I, I've, you know, I've, I'm a triathlete right now currently. Um, I guess right? <laughs> I, I swim. I'm not a swimmer, but I swim. I'm not a cyclist, but I ride. And I'm not a runner, but I run. But, um, but yeah, so some people just call me, right. And they're like, Hey, I mean, we just, we just do it. We do, you know, 30 minute or an hour call. Right. Just, and it, it could be just something basic, right. Hey, like, you know, I'm having trouble with this. You know, what, how would you suggest I get through this or whatever? Right. It, it, it could be anything. Um, but then I do have some people that I do like hardcore programming for over a 12 or, you know, six, 12, and sometimes 24. I, I, I do things a little different. I like to teach people as much as I possibly can, right. To where they don't need me. They don't absolutely have to have me. Now, if they need me, if they want me for accountability, that's different, right. Or they just, they, or they can afford it. They enjoy it or whatever. That's different. Right. But I don't want it to be because you didn't know why you were doing what you were doing. Right. I want them to understand the why behind what we're doing. Right. And the third thing that uh, that that I do is we do uh, uh, a partner of mine. He's a 10 time Ironman, but he's not an elite. He's not a dick. Chris uh, Butcher. He, so we do re, we do retreats. Right. So retreats and we, we base it on triathlon and Ironman. Right. So we get people out. Uh, we, we actually, you know, do open water swim. Um, we set up transition. Uh, just kind of show people what they don't know. Right. And, and, you know, it's, it's about being around like-minded people uh, kind of having a tribe and, you know, having the the commonality of, uh, you know, learning, you know, obviously doing something hard. Um, but, you know, th- having an interest in, you know, and, and multi-sport training. So yeah, that's, um that's something we're, you know, we've got a big one scheduled in April. Um, we're going to go out to Clemson, South Carolina. So pretty excited about that. Right. So, and we uh we we make sure we we rent like a a beautiful Airbnb. Uh, we 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 buy a ton of steak. You'd love it. So yeah. we have a, a ton a ton of meat and a ton of you know a ton of great food and uh, feed people and uh, just get away from everything for for a weekend and kind of talk and you know and and do some Ironman training. Very cool. Yeah, training camp. That's awesome. Yeah, awesome, Boyd. Uh, this has been awesome. Anything else you want to chat about or share? 
<clears throat> man, I, I could pick your brain for hours. Go for it. Days, we can right? return the tables uh, if you want. <laughs> no, man. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it, this is this is cool, right? I mean, for me, this is awesome. I, I appreciate you, you inviting me on, right? Uh, so, yeah. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that this episode's sponsors include Bond Charge and their Sleep Mask and Blue Block glasses, as well as Bioptimizer's Magnesium Breakthrough Supplement. You can find links and discounts to that in the show notes and at zachbitter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. Yeah, just like, and I kind of touched on it earlier, but you know, um, I, I, I'm, te- I'm, a, I'm a terrible, I'm a terrible I'm a terrible prepper, right? So I, like I said, I've got these two races. My, my thought is it's just going to suck, right? Doing doing it two days in a row is going to suck, right? So that's why people are like, hold on a minute. 27 days ago, you ran 100 miles. 13, 14 days ago, you did you know, the, the Ironman Plus. Then I ran the marathon, the beer marathon yesterday, right? So in my mind, it's like, hey, listen, just keep doing shitty things. And then October 15th and 16th, right? Um, I, I'll have that to fall back on. And that's kind of that's kind of my mindset is, um, you know, the more hard things you do, the, the less things are hard. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. I imagine if I asked Zach better what he thought, you know, he'd think that was absolutely asinine and insane. <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing is, is when you get to stuff like that, where, I mean, it's like a multi-day ultra, essentially right. it, you, so much of that is like, first of all, find it. Cause I mean, there's going to be a massive mental component to that when you're doing that level of volume, the intensity is relatively low. So just the physical aspect of being able to kind of push or maintain pace, I guess you could say through like hard points, I think is going to be more mental than it's going to be physical. So step one is always like kind of like figuring out what your motivation or what your why is. You already have that taken care of. That's locked down tight with the um, gold star initiative thing. So you're going to get it done. Like you're going to drag yourself across that finish line if you have to. So I'm not concerned about like you entering a dark place and finding your way through it from the mental side. So then it's like, what are the kind of the best physical things to do to prepare for something like that? So, um, you know, in a perfect world, I'm usually looking at if someone is like pretty unconditioned saying like off season or coming off an injury or just hadn't been training very strict for quite a while. I'm looking at like a 24 week build is usually pretty, pretty good timeline for them. Uh, I can get it down to like 16 weeks. If someone is looking at just, Hey, I've been doing some training, but not really structured. Haven't really periodized anything towards this race yet, but generally speaking, I've been been active and stuff. And then it's like, we can kind of jump into workouts and stuff without having to build a huge foundation. Cause they've sort of been doing that. Um, and then there's like people inside of that window, which is where you're at right now. Cause it's about in about a month. Yeah. 30, uh, 32 days. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you've been sitting around doing nothing. You've been doing your training and I mean, you just ran a hundred miles. So I'm sure you yeah. were doing training for that. So there's a lot of like carry over here that would possibly check some of the boxes I would normally try to do with say the 12 or, um, you know, however many weeks before this, you know, if we were looking at it through a longer lens, but now I think what you're looking at is just getting as specific as possible because like, you're going to have, uh, like if I send you out for like intervals or, you know, anything over speed compared to your race pace, those are still going to pay forward. There's going to be like a, there's going to be some, some carry over from any intensity into the stuff that you're doing, Sure. but the most direct way to improve is going to be practicing what you'll be doing on race day. So for something like this, I would probably be doing some running with 
with a flag perhaps <laughs> so yeah i, I do I, yeah and i didn't do it yesterday but okay uh, perfect yeah i um mm -hmm. I, I run at least at least once or twice a week i'll run with with the actual flagpole and i actually made it harder right so instead of having the aluminum ultralight flagpole i actually put it on a like a uh industrial broom handle which is oh. like <laughs> three times big around and heavy so i run with that yeah i mean i i can do it right so that was that was a thing i was like i don't even and it was funny, like little things like you don't think about. Like, I will absolutely be wearing cycling gloves. I never in a million years thought oh, I'd wear yeah. gloves. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, that, you know, it's weird how uncomfortable the hands were getting just standing in that position, right? And another thing is, you obviously know this, is what goes into running. I mean, don't discount how much the arms, right? pull you forward right yeah. when you're running right so i you know i'm and i and i run like pretty tight i run i do keep my arms aside like i could run with beer yesterday i wasn't spilling it right so <laughs> no, i was still moving my arms um but but yeah so it was funny like when you when you actually hold that flag and you're not getting the arm swing you're accustomed to it's crazy um how much a how much more energy is required to run but b how much how much less propulsion you get right how slow you run with your with your arms kind of stationary right mm -hmm. yeah and yeah you're just gonna like your body's just going to move a little differently when you're, you're you're holding something versus when you're kind of relaxed. So there's like other muscles and stabilizers and things like that that are going to get get activated a little differently. So I think doing doing it, I don't think you have to go crazy like running with a flag every day or anything like that, but having a couple long runs with it just to kind of figure out what areas of your body are going to get stressed a little differently and stay on top of those. And then and then from an intensity standpoint and volume standpoint, I think you just you know, practice the intensity that you're going to do on race day the most. That's kind of the primary goal. So whether that's the, obviously you've got to do the swim and the bike before you even get to the flag. So sure, uh, that's part of the puzzle as well as getting to the flag, feeling good enough where you can, can do that portion of the, the triathlon. So keeping like the swimming and the cycling, but same kind of mindset of like, uh, I tend to go, when you get to stuff as long as this, where you're doing a half Ironman and then a full iron, is it the full second? I'm guessing. Yeah. No, fulls first. And oh, fulls first. Okay. Yeah. So so mm -hmm. like with stuff, stuff like that, it's like speed work, I think is, is good from a development standpoint for even these really long things like hundred milers, triathlons and stuff like that. But once you get inside of say like six to eight weeks, you got to start transitioning a lot of the training load into like the long, slow stuff. So your body's used to doing what it's going to do on race day. And you're actually practicing the things that you're going to go through and really fine tuning that. Um, so that's really what I'd probably be doing between now and your taper is, uh, you know, focusing on kind of the long development side of stuff, whether that's the swim, the bike or the, or the run. I think the hard parts probably with any triathlon, it's like you got these three events and there's, there's a certain <laughs> amount of time you have available to train. And then there's also just like, how much can you adapt to any one of those activities while including the others? So you sort of have to become a jack of all trades versus sure. a master of one. And to some degree, maybe you're a little different with this. It seems like your your personality is pretty open to this, and that's why you're able to do what you do is um, being comfortable, like, you know, going out for the run and thinking, you know what, if I would be doing this six days a week, I could get this much faster, but not thinking about that and thinking about how fast can I get or how good can I get, how comfortable can I get with the two or three days of week I'm going to do this <clears throat> this style of training versus the swim or the bike and kind of balancing those. Um yeah. And then I think like, I usually, when I get close to race two, I'm leaning more into strengths versus weaknesses. I think sure. weaknesses are better addressed earlier on. So like, if you are stronger in one of the disciplines, um, you may see better development and in leaning into that in terms of like how much you'll end up producing, uh, 
or it could just be that they're all pretty i think you might have mentioned earlier that swimming is maybe the the harder one of those but i just um, don't like it <laughs> yeah and that i mean that's half the challenge right like is i mean you <laughs> right. get these long things the mental aspect is is a huge part of the battle so enjoying versus not enjoying is going to be a big variable there yeah um, yeah i swam this morning and it was nice because i was like yeah let me get let me get some cold water i bet that'll feel really good yeah. right yeah um and, and no I'll impact like, hey too, so yeah i'm gonna be talking i'm gonna be talking to you know a, a world-class world record holder right <laughs> so i was like man if i don't work out today it's gonna haunt me it's gonna eat me alive so mm -hmm. let me go get the swim done funny thing you mentioned injury um so so when I was doing, I told you I was, hey, I'd done carnivore for a, you know for a few months there. I actually did a 421 100 mile bike ride at, on carnivore, and oh, I really? ate yeah, I ate hamburger patties during. That's what I, <laughs> that's what I did. I, I mean, I had base salt, but I, uh, I I had no carbohydrates during. I was just curious, like if I go mm -hmm. use my FTP, if I bang this thing out, how fast can I go? And I I started slower because I was worried about crashing, and I had to do it later in the day, which I normally don't. Uh, so. Um, so I did that, but it was funny during that ride. I noticed one of my cycling shoes wasn't fitting normal. So I also like a couple, a month or two later, I thought, man, I, something's messed up down. You know, like I, I was watching Lance Armstrong. So now I'm convinced I'm like, man, I think my nuts are messed up. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> so I, I actually, I go to the, I go to the doctor and I'm like, Hey, I think I got testicular cancer. I'm concerned here. Right. And he's like, they're, they're, I call them. It's VA. Right. I call them and they're like, dude, come in Monday. It was like Friday. And I was like, oh shit, they're nervous too. So again, I'd been on WebMD and I was like, yeah, that's what I've got. Right. Mm -hmm. So I go in, I've got two hernias in my lower abdominal area. I've been there forever. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, I, was, I mean, uh, 10, 15 years, maybe I've just, I don't know why I just don't get them fixed. They don't hurt. It's one of those things. I'm just like, yeah, I, I should, but I don't. So then I go in the doctor and he, they check and they do all kinds of stuff. And he's like, dude, you got a hernia down there. And I was like, okay, this was July. This is right after 4th of July. I was like, oh, that's it. And he's like, yeah, you need to get that fixed. And I'm like, yeah, I'll come back after October and get it fixed. And he's like, wait a minute. I, no, you need to do it now, right? He goes, that hurts on the bike. I said, yeah, it sucks. It hurts when I run too, um, but I'll be fine. And he's like, what is happening in October? And I told him I'm doing a full Ironman and half Ironman. He's like, what? <laughs> not with that, you're not. And I'm like, yeah, I can't do the surgery because every time I've ever had surgery, the anesthesia makes me sick. I don't feel good for two or three weeks. I'm like, no, man, I'll do it after. So the guy thinks I'm insane. This doctor's like, dude, that, he goes, that's a big hernia and it has to hurt. I'm like, yeah, it does, but right. I don't care. I'm not worried about that. So then I was like, Hey, while I'm here, can I get my foot x-rayed? And he's like, what's wrong with your foot? I'm like, I don't know, but it hurts. Right. So I have a hairline fracture in my second metatarsal on my right foot. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's like, dude, you need to stop running. And I'm like, well, I'll figure He's that taking out. all your fun away. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not, you know, listening to him. I'm like, okay, doc, I appreciate it. All I need you to tell me is I'm not dying, right? I was like, it, you know, is, it, is anything going to get worse, right? So he's like, I mean, probably not. I mean, if it does, you'll know, right? So, so anyway, so I did you know, move forward. I decided to go run this, uh, run this hundred miles, right? And, and and I'm not a small guy. I'm six foot. I'm about two hundred five, right? I walk around about two hundred five. So I'll get up to like two fifteen, but I mean, I race at like one ninety five. But right now, I'm you know, low two hundreds, right? So I'm not small for like an ultra distance guy at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, next to like most, like if I'm, if I, if I'm around a bunch of people doing an ultra, I look like, you I look stand a out a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Right. So I, um, so I'm running, I'm running that, that hundred miles that day and I'm doing this for no reason other than, you know, I just want to go around a hundred miles on a random thing I did on a Thursday. 
And I felt something in my left foot, right? And I was like, yeah, that's not good. It's about mile 35. And I was like, you know what? I have no reason to do this. But I was like, yeah, I might as well keep going, right? So I didn't take my shoe off. I, I didn't want to look. I didn't want to see it. I knew it was hurt, right? So I ended up, um, I ended up taking my shoe off at about mile 76 and a half. And that was when everything went south, Zach. I mean, it was bad, bro. I saw it in my sock. I saw my socks, my, my foot swell. Mm. So I, I, I decided, okay, I'm going to wash my feet because my bottoms are chewed up. Man. It had rained for like three hours that day. So my feet were soaking wet and I saw my foot. And it was like, it was starting to look really bad. So anyway, I went ahead and finished that, finished the hundred. And I went, got an x-ray done. And they're like, Hey man, you have a Jones fracture. So, uh, so I'm doing all this stuff now with, uh, with broken bone in each foot. So my judgment is poor. So just, you know, I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> Yeah, did yeah. So you're gonna have that fracture on race day, I'd imagine. Or yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I like. I was like, okay, I'll, 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 I'll figure it out when, uh, when I'm done. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I've got now. So now I've got one in both. I don't know if the one in my right foot's still bad. I mean, I'm assuming I've not taken one day off. Right? I mean, not. I haven't taken any you know meaningful time off. So I'm mm -hmm. sure it's still there. And yeah, my left one. I mean, I, it's weird though. It hurt like hell for the first few days and. I mean, yesterday it didn't hurt. I mean, not much. I mean, toward the, after it did a little bit, but I was like, yeah, I mean, but your feet hurt after you run a marathon anyway. So, you know, today yeah, I there's somewhere in terror either way. Yeah, yeah. I would think like with that situation, if it's something where like you're doing it, hell or high water scenario, the more cushion you can get on that foot, the better. Mm -hmm. Cause you just want to lower, like it's going to potentially transfer some load into other areas. Right. Um, but in terms of getting to a finish line or getting to the end of something with an injury or with something like that, I think you want to minimize the impact in the area. Sure. That's the weakest, which would be those, uh, those fractures in your foot and fractures can be weird too, where like, if you get strong around it, you can, you can sort of reduce the load that way as well. Right. So you have situations where, uh, sometimes that can be helpful. Or if, if you happen to be strong around that area, it can be helpful. The hard part is a lot of times when the fractures occur, it's because the load, wasn't being tolerated by your skeletal muscle system the way it, it should be so then right. you have this situation where you want it to be strong but you got to go through that process and if you have a fracture there it might not be doable and stuff like that it gets goofy but um yeah it sounds like you're hanging on though it's not debilitating enough to keep mm -hmm. you from october's goals and mission no it's it's not i mean and it's saying, man, I'm like, I, and this is terrible. I'm not, I'm not a no pain, no gain guy. Right. But I'm also mm -hmm. like, Hey, the suffering is going to end, right. It's going to stop. It will, you know, it'll go away at some point. Um, I did in the off season. So like I was, man, I was struggling. I was so slow at running. I was so, so slow. And um, I was running and um, there was a, a lady at the park and she goes, Hey, she goes, you're an Ironman, right? She goes, yeah. She goes, how are you an Ironman with that ugly running form? <laughs> So I was like, I don't know. And she said, she goes, Hey, she goes, she tells me she's a running coach. She's like, mm -hmm. Hey, I'm leaving for Belgium in like two weeks. But uh, she goes, Hey, I'll meet you out here. And I'm gonna give you some pointers. Cause you've obviously got cardio. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, great. Right. So she gets me and that dude, I didn't know anything about steps per minute. I, I mean, I knew, but I was like, eh, whatever. I didn't know what mine was. So she barely got me focused on, you know, the higher, the higher cadence, mm -hmm. uh, turn me. So, I mean, I had gone, it's weird. Cause I used to, I used to run like a sprinter, even on distance when I was in the military, I mean, I could run, I could run 10 miles in an hour for a, for a long, for several years. Right. So, I mean, I had some running background, but people used to like, dude, you run like a sprinter, you run up on your toes, you run, you know, and, and then all of a sudden I didn't do that. Right. Cause mm -hmm. it wasn't comfortable. I was tired. I was weak. Right. I was running flat footed and dragging my legs and I wasn't kicking, doing nothing I, should, I was supposed to do. 
So I give her a lot of credit because she got me focused on, on steps per minute. And then another friend of mine, who's a, a big barefoot advocate, he just said, Hey man, spend some time barefoot. And that was saying, I always had shoes on, always had socks on. So I started doing a lot of training just in, on natural surfaces, barefooted, not like high impact stuff, right? A lot of it was, um, you know, just simulating running, just, uh, you know, high, you know, my leg kick and folks knowing the steps per minute. And it's funny because I, cause I was having shins, I was having calf issues I'd never had before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I switched to ultras. I run a tour and fives. Uh, so I wanted that. I wanted zero drop. And I, and that was the key for me because I started getting patella tendonitis and hokas. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, so all those problems went away. I believe my toes are spread apart now. They used to be bunched in. Right. Um, I mean, that, that, uh, you know, the, 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 that the structure of my foot basically changed. Right. But it's funny that now that, that's where, well, I started that. I started that after the first fracture had already occurred, but the second one. So I mean, my feet are definitely stronger. I feel different when I run. I feel like a runner now. Not Zach, but I feel like <laughs> I feel like a much better version of myself, right? So, um, but yeah. So I, while that, like, I I I I don't know when the last time my calf cramp was. I don't remember the last time I had sore knees or any of that or hip issues or you know whatever. But it's um. The irony is that that fracture occurred in in my the, the especially the one on my left, the one that happened a couple of weeks ago. You know, happened in my foot, which is I have no doubt it's stronger now. But that mm-hmm. may be why it just hasn't shelved me, right? And because I did strengthen those strong you know, foot muscles like around it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It gets interesting when you get into like kind of barefoot minimalist footwear stuff because okay. it's like that, like running barefoot or as close to barefoot as you can get to, with the surface you're running on. I mean, that's gonna work those muscles as hard as you're going to. I mean, any more shoe you add is essentially adding to the cast you're putting around your foot, which by design is protecting that area, which makes it easier to atrophy, takes more load off of it. And, you know, like, I think a lot of times people want to like demonize one or the other. And in reality, it's like, there's a, there's like a, a meshing of both that work really well, in my opinion, where it's like, if you're someone who's been wearing like a really built up supportive shoe for a while, you can assume your lower legs are weak and protected uh, relative to what someone who would have a lot of like low profile minimalist type training in. So you may decide, Hey, I want to get to that point. But just like when you went into the weight room for the first time to deadlift, you didn't put 800 pounds on that deadlift. You started with whatever you could do and then worked your way up to it kind of the lower leg is the same way where like, if you go from like a built up supportive shoe, throw on a pair of minimalist low profile or no shoes at all, right. And just jump right back into what the rest of your body's used to able tolerate. You're going to have this like imbalance of you're asking every, your body to do what it normally would. So that's not a problem, but your lower legs are getting overloaded comparatively. And that's where sometimes you get injuries by, by kind of transitioning too fast. So that's where ultra gets it right. I think is they have a lot of options that are all yeah. on that. So it gets you in the right structure. They put you on that balanced platform, which is what you want. You don't want to have your, if you have your heels propped up, that's going to encourage you to kind of like bend forward to find balance, which is going to push your posterior out. And that's going to create like little angles that are going to attract impact forces in a way that your body is really not intended to, to, uh, to take on. So you get a little bit more of a cushioned ultra like the Torrens or um, some of their other ones, like the Paradigm is another road shoe that's got a fair bit of cushion on it, but still balanced, still foot shape. So you get the toe splay, you get the good foot, you get the good uh, body alignment, but you still have the cushion. 
So you're not like hitting those bones and areas and in, in a way that you would. So you're not changing so many variables at once. And then if you're the type of person who's like, Hey, I want those rock solid lower legs that never get hurt. You start inching down to minimalist then or lower profile then. And over time you can kind of get to that point where, where you're able to do that sort of stuff. And you know, that that's, I think like when you treat it kind of more like a strength routine, then it yes. ends up, it ends up working, working a bit better, but it, but you know, it's always a fine line to some degree. So it's like, there's always going to be uh, things that occur. And then, and then for someone like yourself, we throw in a hundred miler, like randomly, like that's just a big, you know, that's a big undertaking for the, your entire body. So, sure. you know, some injuries are just going to be something that happens from time to time when you're doing stuff like that. But the thing I like about um, some of the support options though, to go along with that is there's a, there's a line as to where your body can get to from a strength standpoint. So like if you add a piece of technology, you can maybe inch that a little further. So what I like to say or do is get your lower legs really, really strong so that you can tolerate running barefoot. You're going to, then you go do something like a hundred miler. Then maybe you do have a shoe that has a little more structure to right. it so that you can ask your body to go a little bit further than what it's ready for. But since you have that really strong lower leg, you're still going to probably find that right form. Your feet muscles are still probably going to activate and be strong. You're just going to give yourself a little bit of an edge uh, in terms of, uh, especially nowadays, like back in the day before the super shoe technology, it was like, you kind of wanted to be able to race in a minimal issue or a racing flat. Cause that was going to be the best performance option. Now with the super shoe technology, you know, all the racing shoes are as much cushion as they can get away with. So you sort of have this scenario where like the incentive to work down to a low profile, minimalist shoe was kind of twofold. One was to get the strong lower legs and two was to be able to tolerate wearing those in a race. Now we sort of have a situation where you still want the strong lower legs, but you don't necessarily need to be able to tolerate that on race day because the shoes that are going to perform the best are the ones with, with more cushion to them. So it gets, uh, as soon as we figure something out, we throw a big wrench in it. <laughs> yeah, no. And I, and I, yeah, I, and I, I think I've heard you say it before, if I'm not mistaken. And I, and this is my philosophy too. People always ask me, Hey, what shoe should I run in? Dude, that is so individual, you know, individual yeah. mm -hmm. that I can't make a recommendation. Now, you know, I, I can talk to people and I can watch them run or I can, you know, figure some things out, but I agree a hundred percent. I think the idea that to build your feet and to build your legs up, to make them strong where you could run barefooted. I think there's a lot of power in that. Mm -hmm. Um, but to, you know, to be able to, to throw that stack on and, you know, and have that padding, man, I tell you when I put my, cause I, I, I do a lot of training and I don't do it on the road so much, but I do a lot of training in zeros, uh, you know, mm -hmm. XERO. Yeah. Um, I like those. I love, I love running in them. But when I put those ultras on, it's almost like I feel, okay, man, this, I feel like I'm cheating. Right. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it feels so different, right. I put those torn fives on, but it's weird. Um, and, but I, I love the big toe box. I love my, you know, my feet being able to spread out on them and everything. But um, yeah, I figured out I had to go up a full size on them. And, and, and that was everybody, everybody else that, you know, that I talked to about, they're like, yeah, you may want to come down a half size or whatever. And I had to go up. Yeah. I normally wear, I normally wear a 12. I wear I normally wear a 12 and a half. They brought me to a 12, but I have to absolutely wear a 13 in in uh and mm -hmm. the Torrens anyway. Um yeah. because yeah, my, my toes in a weird spot in them, but I love them. Uh yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine I can't imagine coming off of them. But you also talked about, you know, that's what the foot's designed for. Um, you know, it's funny how I mean, from a from an architectural standpoint, you know, you would never put any kind of support under an arch because an arch is the perfect is the perfect yeah. structure, architectural structure, right? But what do we do with our feet? Well, we we put a we put something up to support the arch, which doesn't make a make a whole lot of sense, I think, right? Yeah, you want to work the muscle that's going to pull that arch up for sure. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, interesting stuff. I'll add one more thing that you mentioned uh, as a uh, as a tip for your your October project is um, you said swimming was the one you disliked the most or is the yeah. hardest one mentally to get your head around? No, I mean, it's not even hard. So it's such a small part of the race. Right. And I'm, and I'm really, I'm just, not, I mean, look, man, I mean, I'll be, I'm, I'm pretty transparent. I'm not a great swimmer. Uh, the irony of this is my ex-wife who we're still very close. We're still best friends. We're raising our small daughter together. Mm -hmm. Um, she was a college distance swimmer. Oh, cool. the fact that I didn't even, I can't even like, you know, through osmosis swim better. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, it's just, it's, it, have you ever done an Ironman? No. Uh, -uh. okay. I'm, so I'm in the same boat as you, except I haven't pulled the trigger. I've, uh, I'm a, I'm terrible at swimming. So <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's funny because, and I've always, it's been my mindset from the start with it. Like just survive it, survive mm -hmm. the swim. I, yeah, I mess somebody up on a bike and I've become a decent runner, but it, you know, I mean, I'm not going to go out there. I'm not going to be, I'm, I may be last in my age group in the, in the water, but it's, you know, in the grand scheme of things that 2.4 miles, Worst case is two hours and 20 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, best case on the bike, you're looking at four and a half, five hours, right? I mean, most people get closer to six or seven. And then that run, you know, is going to be whatever you run a marathon after you've done all that is. Mm -hmm. So my concept in the water is be serviceable, survive it, right? I'm not going out. I'm not going to waste a lot of energy. I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go out there and kill it. I mean, I figure if I put, I can do that swim. Um, I can do it. I, I'm down the open water. I'm probably an hour 25. Right. I mean, it's not fast. I mean, I probably hour, I'd say hour 35 is what I'll estimate for race day. Right. Cause you know, everything happens. So if I become, if I put a lot of effort in swimming and swim 10 days a week, I, I become an hour 20 swimmer. Right. When I can take that same, that same time and that energy uh, of swimming and, and put it toward running or put it toward riding. And if it comes down to time, I can become so much more efficient on sure. those two things that it, for me, it's just, I don't like it. Right. I mean, it's, it sucks. And, and, and I, to, to back up in my first Ironman, I, well, first off the practice swim the day before I got kicked in the face and thought I broke my nose. I mean, oh. I was, it was exploded. Right. I was like, Oh, this is great. Something <laughs> I hate. This is why I hate it. You cannot stimulate open water swimming in an Ironman because there's 2000 people in the water. Right. Mm -hmm. Number two, that on my actual first Ironman, the first race, so I'm like, hey, I'll be okay as long as I don't lose my goggles. Well, lo and behold, I get tangled up with a guy, and he pulls my goggles off. Uh. I mean, 150, 200 yards in, dude. I'm not in the stand. I'm not far down the down the water here. I pull up on the the little you know the little raft things, and the guy's like, "Where's your goggles?" I'm like, "I don't know." Mm. He goes, do you not have a second pair? Well, I'd always trained with a second pair in my wetsuit, but I convinced myself that it was bothering me when I got kicked in the face. I was like, ah, I'm not going to lose my goggles. So I didn't have a second pair. So I swam the entire, the water was 58 degrees. I swam the entire Ironman swim without goggles. And so, listen, after that, I was like, listen, I it can't get harder. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, cold water. And that was the thing that water, my eyes felt like they were going to blow out of my head. Right. Mm -hmm. So, Look, I mean, I, so I, I really so here this week, as a matter of fact, I started uh, my neighbor has one of the swim trainers, right? The the bungee cord. So oh, that's sure. kind of yeah. So kind of, you know, kind of started with that. It gives me it's easy. I can go basically next door, jump in the pool, you know, connect to that and I can and I can get the reps. Right. So nice. being able to, you know, be able to do 90 minutes there. I mean, it, it, it's yeah, it's like running. I mean, you. I mean, I think you set the world record on a treadmill, right? This is basically a treadmill in water. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like, yeah, I really like to touch a side. So I, what I find with this with this bungee cord thing is like, there's no turnaround. 
there's no stopping, right? So that's what an open water swim is. You're not in a pool. You got a small, a small second where a you can touch the side or b you can kick off the side. In open water, it's go, 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 right? So that's what this thing simulates. So in my mind, if nothing else, and I do swim open water quite a bit. When I mm -hmm. I prefer swimming open water versus going to a pool. Um, mm -hmm. I, I compare like I compare like running through on a trail versus being on an elliptical machine. The, the difference between the two, right? It's about yeah, it's about like that, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, but with this thing, this like you know this this bungee harness thing, what I find is there's no break. You know, I mean, I have to keep swimming, right? Ninety minutes is ninety minutes. So, mm -hmm. um, I, I I took I, I took some videos and I I I I mean, just really quick, I was like, okay, I need to fix that right now. I didn't realize I was doing that, right? That my left arm's not coming up out of the water. Okay. So just on a couple of, a couple of swims in it, you know, it's already, it's already changed. Uh, it's already helped me a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I'm justifying right now. If you can tell that or not, I'm coping uh, <laughs> why I don't like swimming. And I'm not going to improve on it. Yeah. Well, I think like with that sort of stuff, like if it's the one that you're the least motivated or excited about of the three disciplines, those are the ones I usually try to use the training sessions a little more strategically to work on just kind of like visualizing race day so that yeah. when that comes, it's less of a, like, I mean, there's just still going to be less anxiety around it if you feel like you've done it more recently. So like doing uh, like if you do like a little bit of a longer swim for the for the week for that swim, what I would be doing is thinking like, all right, pretend I'm starting that open water start to the triathlon and just picture where you would be throughout that. So you start kind of working through those mental hurdles you might see. And then I find like when I practice doing that and then they come up on race day, since I did it in training, the visualization yeah. side of it then uh when you hit those spots that are going to come on event day it's like you've already did rehearsal essentially in your head as to how you kind of navigate that mentally and it just be it's a little more intuitive a little less like i look at it kind of like a currency of like mental bandwidth and it's like every time you got to try to like break through a low point you're spending a little bit of that mental currency and if you could just kind of have that on autopilot because you've sort of practiced doing that it's just right. a little stronger uh trigger to pull on on race day so I think with, uh, with what you're doing and there's probably like, you can probably drill into swimming a little harder than, I mean, obviously there's a limitation on time to some degree, but like, there's no impact on swimming, which opens right. up a little bit more of an opportunity to like, probably push that one a little bit closer to the start of the race versus the impact stuff like running where you might need a little mm -hmm. bit longer of a taper, but, um, yeah, no, it's interesting stuff. It's, uh, you're making me sort of want to do a triathlon, which I was uh, pretty committed to not doing before this. So. <laughs> well, Waco, I think there's still some spots for Waco. Man. Oh, I mean, you've got you're really ambitious for me. there. <laughs> yeah, we got like, we, I think we're 32 days, 31 days out of uh, the pool. I mean, come on, man. You, you, I, I'm curious, what's your best marathon time? Um, so my, my marathons, I haven't really done any like peaking for marathons sure. in any big way, but I'll jump in those from time to time for like kind of really like difficult long runs. So I'm usually yeah. like the low two thirties for those. Yeah. Of course you are. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I can only imagine you going out there and, uh, you know, probably winning. I mean, if you're, if you're okay in the water and you're, you know, you're, you're serviceable on the bike, you're probably going to be pretty good in your age group. Right. So yeah. <laughs> I imagine. I, I, I might be so far behind after the swim and the bike that when I get to the run, I'm just passing enough people that that's where the motivation is. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, just check it off. Right. I mean, Hey, what Lance Armstrong, I mean, you know, he, yeah. he, 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 I mean, after, after he was done with the tour, he, he was, 
he was placing top three with a pros, right? And and half Ironmans, which is just absolutely insane to me. But yeah, man, I mean, but as a 15 or 16 year old, he was actually he was a triathlete with, originally, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is crazy. So yeah, man. I uh I have no worries. I'm not gonna win any my age group at all. I unless dude, that's a bad day, brother. If I if if you see me top five in the age group. <laughs> There's something bad has happened, right? I mean, something really bad has happened to those other folks. And, uh, man, we need to check on them. Well, I mean, you've got some other goals on that day. So I think you can you can rest at rest at ease that you'll be making some movement one way or the other. But, um, Boyd, where can people find you if they want to follow along with your training, racing, and anything else you're up to? Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm most active on Twitter. My name at Boyd Myers. Um, I that's where I that's where I I, I post nonstop. Uh, I'm on Instagram. That's um, if you want to see my adorable daughter, that's what I do mostly there. But I do I do share I do share some training stuff there as well. Same thing at Boyd Myers. Um, I, I'm terrible about updating my blog and my website, uh, but all my contact information is there, and that's my name, BoydMyers.com. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm pretty active. So uh, anybody reaches out to me, I, I respond to everybody. Very cool. Well, we'll put those links in the show notes. So any of the listeners who want to head over and check out what you're up to, will be able to find that. But, uh, Boyd, thanks a bunch for taking some time and, uh, sharing your journey and everything you got coming up. All right, Zach. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, sir. Yeah. Take care. All right. Hey folks, thanks for checking out this episode of the podcast. For those of you who are regular listeners, you'll likely know I'm also a professional endurance athlete and coach. If you're looking for a little extra help with your training and programming, I do offer individualized coaching options where you can work directly with me one-on-one. I'll personalize your plan and even scale it up to email collaboration and regular consultations. You can also access either of those on their own if you just want to contact me as you're navigating your fitness journey. I also have some ready-made plans. The ready-made plans follow my coaching philosophy and they scale from five kilometers all the way up to 100 miles and come in three different levels. So whether you're a beginner, intermediate, or advanced, I've got something for you there. And most recently, I also just added a Strength Athletes Guide to Endurance program, which will help someone who is primarily a strength athlete who wants to either do an endurance event for the fun of it, bolster up their cardiovascular fitness, or just try something out, try something new. So those programs are built to be able to supplement a strength program so you won't have to give up on your gains in the gym while you're going after some running or endurance-related fitness goals. You can find all those things on my website at zachbitter.com. Thanks for checking out this episode. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. 